Welcome to Impact the World, the show for and about creatives, changemakers, and entrepreneurs. This is a conversation episode where a special guest shares with me what they are creating and the behind the scenes journey of their experience. Hello, welcome to Impact the World, where my guest today is the wonderful Pam Gregory. Pam is best known as an astrologer on YouTube, but she has had a thriving practice for almost 40 years, offering personal consultations, teaching videos, and extensive writings and books going deep into how astrological archetypes affect us in our everyday life and what's going on on the planet right now. So it was a delight to get to talk to Pam and hear a little more about her journey, but also get some of her insights into what we can expect in the year of 2021 and beyond. And for those of you who enjoy our show, if you want to support, please leave us a rating or a review at Apple Podcasts or subscribe. But for now, here is the episode with Pam. And as usual, you can find all links to Pam's work in the show notes. Pam, thank you so much for being here. It is a treat to get to meet you in, well, virtually meet you in person after quite a few years of seeing you out there on video. And as I explained in the interview I did with your good friend, Bracker Goldsmith, it was sometime last year, we were a few months into all the COVID madness. And, uh, you know, like everybody, I was having one of those rough, I was having a rough morning energetically, just a bit more... And um, YouTube suggested a conversation between you and Braca. And I was like, oh, great, Braca and Pam. Oh, yeah, I'll put that on. And uh, it was just lovely. It was a conversation between the two of you. And I immediately felt like, oh, it's a conversation with friends who get it on a metaphysical level, who are keeping their eye on it on a grounded level. It was, it was just lovely. So to get to have this conversation with you now and, and talk about your work and your journey is, is a treat. Thank you. Thank you. We, we spark each other, Bracker and I. It's great to talk to another astrologer because you, you can talk in shorthand yeah. and it can spark other ideas because you're, you're, you're really speaking in a common denominator. So it's always great to, to chat with her. And, um, and yeah, we laugh such a lot together. We really do. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it's lovely. Well, how did you first get into astrology? Because you've built a big following with your astrology over the years, but what was the the kind of beginning of the spark for you with astrology? Yes, I um after well, it's interesting. As a child, I started to write to Canada House when I was seven, and say I want to emigrate to Canada <laughs> because I just loved um, I love nature, mountains, big skies, etc. And they very politely wrote back and said, "Well, you have to wait till you're at least eighteen. So, I actually finished university, and there was a big recession in the UK at that time, and so I didn't even try to get a job. I just decided, okay, now I'm going to go to Canada. So. I got on a plane to Toronto with $100 in my pocket, didn't know anyone, didn't have a job, nothing to go to, and just thought this is a great adventure. And it was wonderful. I actually mentioned this in my last video that when I was on the plane from London to Toronto, I was actually thinking, okay, I'm going to invent a new me. Who am I going to be? 
you know, physically, mentally, who, could, who, 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 who can I be as I step into this new environment? Anyway, within the first week, I, it must have been a fabulous week for personal growth because I joined a yoga class. And at the end of the class, as you know, they're silent, but at the end of the class, one of the girls said, that chap over there uh, who came from Jamaica, um, he's a very good astrologer. So I went up to him and said, I'd love you to do my chart. And by the following weekend, I was sitting with him in his tiny flat in Toronto. And I, I remember it like it was yesterday because I spent seven hours with him hmm. and he just blew me away. It just the world had cracked open to reveal this whole dimension of meaning that I, I just hadn't known existed. And that was really the beginning of the whole journey. And, and quite amusingly, um, over the years of, of moving, house moves, I lost the tape because in those days, recordings were done on tape. That's right. And when I, after five years, decided to return to England, I was packing boxes and I found the tape. So as I was sort of finally leaving Canada the last day, I played the tape and on it, he said, September the 4th, 1979 will be a major turning point in your life. And that day was September the 4th, 1979. I was leaving Canada forever. And he also said, by the end of October, you'll be experiencing a major high in your life. And I was sitting at 19,000 feet in the Himalayas. So from that point, it was a literal high. So from that point on, I just, well, from the, the very first consultation with him, I just haven't stopped. I just really haven't stopped studying, learning, and I, I learn something new every day. That's fantastic. And it's interesting you talk about the interpretation because I think whether you're working astrologically or with intuition or psychic information, interpretation is, is a real skill because you can interpret it a myriad of different ways and your mind might go, oh, that's going to mean this. But actually it means something slightly different. But when you map it back to the original seed information, it still maps. So I'm curious for you, when you first started doing readings for people and consultations, you know, was that something that you felt very confident about immediately? Or do you feel over years of doing the readings, you were able to hone that interpretative skill that you have so, so strongly? Yeah, thank you so much. And, and actually, your comment was really brilliant because um, <laughs> probably more than you realize, because astrology is always symbolically predictive it is not executionally predicted. Mm. So as long as the astrologer stays close to the, um, the archetypes, the energy, the quality of energy, they're going to be right. As soon as they try and guess what the execution is going to be, that's where we can all go astray because each archetype, each planetary set of symbols is like a multifaceted diamond. Mm. And they will always manifest. They will because the music has to play. The music of the astrology has to play. But you can't guess really what the event is very, um, very accurately. But if you stick close to the um, the strategy or the symbolism, you'll be right. But yes, very much. I think everybody starts feeling very clunky, and they do it for friends and family, and you know. And also, I've got quite a kind of mathematical analytical brain. And so it has taken quite a lot of time to really see it as music now, to read it as music. And what is most difficult in astrology, and every single astrologer feels this, is the overload of information because it's the synthesis 
of the information that really takes time for your brain to learn, you know, what's weighty, what's what's less important. And it's that synthesis with a vast amount of information when you're dealing with a kind of 97-dimensional jigsaw that just takes time for your brain to kind of get a grip of. But, but now after decades of doing this, I feel I'm competent at doing that now. Yeah. Well, this kind of brings up for me skepticism. And I, I love that your first book was called You Don't Really Believe in Astrology, Do You? I mean, that's perfect. Um, because I think if I kind of go back in time, like, you know, 20 years ago, especially when I was earlier in my studies of metaphysics and still a few years away from working in the field, um, I remember the skepticism that people would have around things like astrology or psychic information, predictive information. And what I now see is usually that skepticism is based on a misunderstanding. The skepticism is usually accompanied by people believing that we have no free will. So rather than understanding, oh, here's, here's the kind of energy that you're in and what you now do with it, either personally or collectively, is, is, is what's going to, to kind of move you on to the next place. So I think a lot of people get um, too defensive against the idea that astrology knows exactly what you are going to do and how it is going to look. So I think if people could understand that a little differently, they might be a little less barriered towards it. But I only bring that up because I think your book in the title is a wonderful um, challenge to a person who doesn't really believe in astrology. I'm curious <laughs> How did that? How did that book come about? And 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 yeah, what 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 has your experience been around that book or around skepticism? Yes, yeah, so, so interestingly that you asked that because my my first career was in advertising, and I was a, a quite a young age. I was the director of a big London advertising agency, and then I went on my second career to run my own training company, training management people to make more persuasive business presentations. But within the business context, this was just not credible to be an astrologer. So I actually had to keep it quite quiet. But if it did leak out at any time, I went from somebody who, you know, clearly had half a brain to have achieved mm. so much in my career. But all of a sudden I became instantly remedial and in need of therapy if I mm -hmm. admitted I was an astrologer. And particularly if you're meeting new people at a party and they asked what you did. And um you know, they'd sort of take you off to a corner and whisper, you know, come on, come on. You know, yes. you don't, you confess, you don't really believe in astrology. So I was asked that question just hundreds and hundreds of times. So there seemed to me to be such a grand canyon of misunderstanding between where they were coming from in their rational understanding of how the world worked and how my understanding um, was so different because this was taking me on on much, much deeper pathways. And so in order to kind of um, join up the two sides of that Grand Canyon, that's why I wrote the book to kind of demonstrate the breadth and depth of what a massively vast subject astrology is, which was fabulous to write. I almost felt that book had come through me rather than from me. So I don't think I can take any credit at all, but I, I just felt I had to be brave enough to step out and answer that question. Mm. Well, I would say you you take credit as the instrument and the conduit, you know, because I, I I think there's there's a certain level of um, courage and willingness to kind of be a conduit for that kind of thing that is quite, in my experience, human in nature. And, and other people I speak to, 
there are human things you have to overcome to stand for that, to let it let it uh, be out there. And I'm curious when when that book when that book went out there, but also perhaps just as your name as an astrologer has grown in the world. What has that done for you in terms of personal relationships or even just the way that you're able to hold your own around what you do versus perhaps back in these days of your corporate career where it was a bit more of a secret? Yeah, I think I think partly I'm helped by the zeitgeist, to be honest, because astrology is much more acceptable now than it was all those years ago when yeah. I was starting out when it was really kind of wacko and and um, way out there. So I think that makes it easier. But now I'm just really, really um, privileged and honoured to have just stumbled across this incredible sacred language, really. And I feel so blessed with it. So I do feel quite, quite proud to be a messenger of it. And I'm not going to hide away. And if it's, it's, you know, people aren't interested in it, then that's okay. But when they say things like, so you don't really believe in astrology, I'll always say, well, it's like, it's like saying, I don't believe in French. You know, mm. it's a nonsensical mm-hmm. comment because it's just a language. That's all it is. It's a language of mathematics. It's a language of sacred geometry. And I believe it's a language of the cosmos. It's God's language of the cosmos, really. So I'm much happier to stand stand my ground but I won't force it on people if they're not interested that's just fine by me and I'll I'll just move on because I have a lot of normal friends in my life too and I may have known them for decades and they've they've never really asked me yeah. <laughs> which is quite strange but you know I have other friends and they are much more on the same the same hymn sheet as me so that's great yeah, similar, similar. And I, I, yeah, I kind of, I, you can have friends in your life where what you do for work is, is not actually the important topic of conversation. I think that's, I think that's great. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, you know, you, you mentioned this when you talked about the zeitgeist and how different things are now, because you started with your astrology journey in the early eighties. And I think back to even for me starting out publicly doing my work 16 years ago, 16, 17 years ago this year, how different it was for me as a channeler, as an intuitive, even as someone interested in personal development, particularly because I was living in England at the time, even going off to personal development workshops was kind of a bit weird and a bit taboo. Um, But it has changed so fast, which is what I'd always heard would happen from my guides it's interesting, isn't it, to live in it now and to see how different it is. And I'm curious, what has changed for you? Uh, Because here you are still doing your thing, working just as much as ever, if not before, but has your motivation or your sense of purpose changed because of the time that we're in versus, say, 15 years ago? I think it's become even deeper. because partly because people need a lot more guidance now but I think we're moving into a just a whole new age an age of the heart an Mm. age of spirituality in a much bigger way and that's where we're going to come into our own really in terms of helping people and guiding people because we are going to go through a bit of a messy phase in 2021 you know going to be standing in a demolition site for, for for quite a lot of it but with green shoots appearing um, between the cracks and the concrete, as it were. Um, but I, I do feel we're moving into much more of, of an era of um, intuition, 
of um, blending with each other, much, uh, much greater appreciation of energy, much, much, much bigger appreciation of the entire cosmos is, is underpinned by frequency. Mm. And I think if we could reduce it to, to one fundamental organizing principle in the universe, it would be, for me, it would be frequency. Mm. And so as people start to understand that and understand it's a, it's a world of energy, think, okay, what is my framework for accessing energy? What, what do I do? How do I maneuver my reality? And I think astrology is brilliant because it's such a practical framework. It's a language that you can learn um, that is quite definite in a way. And mm. it's only after you've been doing it a long time, you get to the high ether, ethers of it, as it were, and reading it as music. But that's why I think it is just such a brilliant modality for these times. So if anything, my, my passion, my sense of purpose and mission has deepened, but particularly because I'm getting very interested in what are called kind of deep space planets or planets way, way out beyond the orbits of Neptune and Pluto. And that's where my real interest lies because they are actually bringing in <clears throat> a new consciousness for us. They're mm. bringing in archetypes for a new consciousness. And that's what is mega exciting. Well, that's what we're on the brink of right now. Fantastic. And how do you research that? Like, where do you go to research <laughs> that kind of stuff? I'm, I'm not quite sure now because, you know, I've got L plates on, but all I know, the couple of astrologers have done some research, but it really is down to me to sort of, it's so interestingly because very often the astronomer who discovers the planet or the dwarf planet will give it a particular name. And by pure synchronicity, it just so happens that they're, ancient Icelandic myths attached to that name or mm. some other, you know, myths that, that Tolkien might have written about. It's that sort of thing. So there's always a synchronicity. So that's one layer of finding the meaning. Another layer is if you look at the discovery chart, the moment of discovery of that particular planet, you can get a lot of information from that. For instance, Characlo that I've been talking about quite a lot recently, who's, who orbits between Saturn and Uranus, her discovery chart is a six-pointed star, which is just magical. So in analyzing that chart, I can get quite a lot of information about the quality the archetype of what Chariclo is about. So, and the very name of Chariclo takes me on another journey of discovering she was the wife of Chiron in myth and she heals by simply holding sacred space and she's connected to the Buddhist ground of being and she also enables us in shifts of consciousness, upgrades in consciousness. And she's appearing now to us because she was only discovered about 20 years ago, which is a, nothing in, in astrological terms. So, that's sort of the kind of thing you do to start researching. But I'm starting really from zero, <laughs> so no pressure. No, well, you, you not really from zero. I would argue, based on based on you know your your decades of involvement, research, and study, I think that that beautifully puts you in a place to to go and explore in that way. And it, I love hearing what you said because. You know, I'm I don't study astrology, but I really like astrology and. Um, and one of the things that I get a lot through the, my guides for years, they've talked about the, the rising consciousness on the planet. And I'm called to try and break down how that might be affecting us and what that looks like. And then when I channel my guides for recordings or for live events, 
they will speak about um, our consciousness becoming far more galactic. Now that can sound kind of amorphous, but when I hear what you say about, oh, there's a new planet that I'm like, oh, okay, it's great because it, it grounds it. And that's the thing I really like about your videos, Pam. I know I'm going to get three things. I'm going to get very good grounded, but high and far reaching metaphysical information on a psychic level. And I'm going to get great cushions. And most of the time I'm going to get a really good collar. So I said that to you before we started. I said, I always know, because I saw your cushions, I was like, the cushions are fabulous. Now, this collar isn't as high as some of my favorites, but I always, because I, I, I remember when I first saw you, and I think I saw like three videos or four videos, like, wow, she has great collars. It's, it's, it's her regal past life coming through here. And then you told me just now that you, the queen of collars is what you've been dubbed. Yeah, it was, do you know, people write to me and ask about, do I make them? I mean, not a chance. I can't say that. Many, many years ago, I was in Sydney, Australia, and there was a huge Chinese festival in a sort of massive marquee. And I discovered these beautiful silk and satin Chinese jackets, which I just adore. And they're all handmade in silk and satin. They don't have labels in them. So I just bought a load of them. I only wish I'd bought more because I just can't find them anywhere anymore. But that's where I got them many, many years ago. So, but it's interesting going back to what you were saying, Lee, about becoming galactic citizens. It's something I've talked about a lot in my videos over the last year or so, because I have such a strong sense with these new um, deep space planets coming online. And hopefully I'll get information coming through. Particularly when I write, I get it coming through. And this will, these new planetary archetypes will link us to the greater galaxy. And for instance, what was very exciting at the end of last year, on the 14th of December, we had a big solar eclipse. Solar eclipses are big new beginnings. And this was happening at 23 degrees of Sagittarius. That is super, super close to something called the galactic center, which has the, the power of the mass of 40 million suns. It sort of spews out lots of cosmic radiation with which we create our world. And so that is a very powerful place in the cosmos, the galactic center at 26 of Sagittarius. But what was even more wonderful was there is um, a planet which is called a Kuiper Belt object. It doesn't have any other name but that. It's way out beyond the realms of Pluto, and it's called Varda. And it was exactly at 23 degrees of Sagittarius, exactly on this solar eclipse. And in myth, she is known as the Star Lady. She was the goddess of the elves. She lives in no time. Mm. And she, in myth, lit up the stars in our heavens and she placed the sun and moon in our sky and set them on their trajectory, as it were. And certainly the moon moves. And because this is a big new beginning, solar eclipse, on the galactic center, I was thinking, okay, so she did that historically in myth, but is she actually saying this is a whole new beginning in our understanding of the cosmos. Is there a whole new layer coming in which she's going to help, she's going to enable for us with our understanding? And that feels just super exciting that we're onto a whole new adventure in consciousness and understanding. Mm. And I get very, you must tell me if I'm speaking too much, but I get very kind of buzzed up when I read and think about them because. That all of them that I've studied so far are very quantum. 
in their understanding. You know, you don't have to slog and write a business plan and push and make that, you know, they're quantum in their their leap. They're very magical. And they are very much to do with creator energy and regenerative energy, which is just fabulous, you know, for a new consciousness, but that many of them are also very connected to indigenous um myths and the big dreaming and um you know the aboriginal song lines and a very deep instinctive connection to nature as well so they've got this kind of quantum physics leading edge understanding of reality but anchored in ancient shamanic tradition beautiful it's funny you know a couple of the things that you said again it's lovely for me to hear this because i get my information intuitively i can't always qualify it but then i hear some of the things you're saying like the the creator energy which they have been saying uh that we've just this year entered into a whole new era of creativity and innovation where the dial gets really turned up and we'll we'll see it immediately this year but it will just keep growing as we go through the decade but also the consciousness that is rising that is causing so much of the destruction and dissolution that we see which you have to be very mindful of because as a human being who has grown up, you know, in the programming of the time that we're living in, it can be triggering or upsetting or distressing as you watch things that previously worked, arguable, but that previously worked falling apart and how that's affecting everybody. But at the same time, remembering that, you know, this is what has to, this is what we have to go through in order for the new birth to happen. So I heard those two things in what you said. Yeah, and it's it's really interestingly because I don't know if you've heard in my videos, um, cosmologically, the Earth is moving into a different area of, of space where it hasn't been for 12,000 years approximately. It's moving through the photon belt. So literally we are getting these incredible waves of gamma ray and neutrino energy and light coming in. And that's why the, the light seems so white. I don't know if you know, it's very light, mm-hmm. almost like being in the mountains in the snow you know very bright white light whereas previously it was kind of more of a golden light and that is photonic light so this is very high kind of crystalline energy that's coming in and when that happens it's impossible um according to my understanding of quantum physics that two different levels of energy can coexist at the same time the old lower vibration stuff has just has to disintegrate which is what we're seeing right now it can't continue so beyond, but we are literally physically every cell in our body is being electrically repatterned by this new light and i think the more we've worked at our frequency the easier that transition is for us we'll just blend with it much more easily um and it is very distressing to see everything we've known in our lifetimes just kind of collapsing, chaotic, mm-hmm. dysfunctional. But it's so clear in the astrology. I mean, it is so, I must have said in every video over the last year that Pluto is moving through Capricorn. It's very, very slow. It takes many years. And Pluto always deconstructs the sign, the symbolism of the sign that it's moving through. So Capricorn is big corporations, big institutions, government, um, institutions and governments that have power over you. It's a top-down vertical structure, rules and regulations. We've seen a lot of that in 2020. So it will, Pluto will always reveal anything that isn't pure or of integrity or of the highest principle. 
And therefore, that in turn, that kind of disclosure will help the collapse as well. Mm. In addition to that, we've got Uranus, another massive archetype in Taurus. And Taurus is let's keep things as they are. Let's keep the boat steady. It's about materialism and bricks and mortar and the banking system and you know, solidity. And Uranus just wants to smash everything up. Uranus is the maverick. So you've got two massive archetypes, Pluto and Uranus, that want to break things up to get us to a better place, a higher state of being, moving through two Earth signs, which is density, materialism, I'm here to make a profit, not here to make a difference. Um, it's all the, the old 3D world, if you like. Mm. And those are just two of the really, really massive things that are contributing to this collapse, apart from what's happening with the cosmology and the light as well. So it was, re it was really clear. Mm. So I'm curious, let's say, you know, you're with someone in your life, your personal life, who is really freaking out about what's going on on the planet. And we all, we all know people who are having those experiences. Um, what do you say to them? If you can't really go there with some of the astrological information, what do you say to them if you feel compelled to say something that might reassure them or help them deal with what we're going through? Yeah, I think what I'd say without getting into the, the jargon, as I just said with you, is just to sit because they know I'm an astrologer, I just say, well, I can see that happening very, very clearly in my work. So isn't it reassuring that this is meant to happen to get us to a different, a much better place? But we've got to go through, you know, if you're going to build a new house, you have a plan for the new house, but you've got to demolish the old house on that site before you can start to lay the foundations for, for the new house, which will be so much more beautiful and so much better than, than what you've had. But it goes through a mess. You know, mm. the grilling and the blackened deckers, the, you know, the dust and the rubble, it's a mess. And it's the mess that we're going to be going through through summer of 2021. And Pam, the universe hears you. My, I have a lapel mic on, so it probably isn't picking this up, but the drilling just got really loud as you was, I'm not kidding. You probably can't hear it, but I said to Wendy before we started, I was like, oh, there's some drilling outside. And she was like, I can't hear it, but I can hear it. So the universe says, yes, Pam. Um, <laughs> speaking of, you know, big changes, uh, you mentioned to me before we got started um, that you're just about to stop doing your personal one-on-one -on -one consultations. Now, I did private readings for 14 years and stopping doing it was, was a tough decision and one that it took me about a year and a half to make because I didn't want to let it go, but I knew I had to in order for me to be able to do the other things that I now do. So I'm curious, how are you doing with that? Because I think by the time this interview airs, you will probably have completed your last waiting list people and... Uh, it's a big one, that. I'm curious how you feel about it. It is, and I, probably, Lee, you felt the same. You know, I love those one-to-one -one interactions because mm. you can go very deep with people. Yeah. You can switch on light bulbs. You can make them, you know, help them to see things that they haven't seen from childhood. And that can be so healing. And, you, you know, you will understand that process very well. But for me, and maybe I'm just a, a perfectionist, it takes me about four to five hours of preparation for every consultation mm. I do because I it, it's just the way I operate I have to kind of go deep and plunge into you know what happened last time and go back through the life to validate the birth time and understand how the planetary transits are working out for that person so it's 
four to five hours prep and that's what messes the booking horizon so severely so very sadly i'm i'm just stepping back from that certainly for the rest of 2021 to give me time just give me breathing time really to um but to research these deep space planets that are really got my fascination i mean i get so excited as i say when i think and about them and talk about them and i knew and i know information is going to come through me um when i start to write about them so in order to keep putting out the guidance for the bigger audience by YouTube, yeah. social media posts and my newsletters, I've just got to go with what's most time efficient. And I'm really sad to let the client stuff go, but maybe it'll come back in time. But I just really need thinking and breathing time for the rest of the, the year. And I know it'll I know it'll come through me and then I'll be on to another episode. Yeah. How many years have you done the one on ones? Oh, well, really, gosh, I'm embarrassed. To <laughs> gosh, I mean, that'll go. I think, well, gosh, when did I? About 40 years. Wow. So, and starting, you know, as everybody wow. does, friends and family and not charging, and yeah. but yeah. very, very intensely for about the last 20. I mean, just seven uh, days a week full on. Wow. Wow. And, the, you know, that I, I feel that in my body because I was only 14 years, but I worked out that it was the longest job I'd had. Like it was the one consistent because I never didn't have a waiting list. So, it, it, yeah, it was every week. And, and like you said, the intimacy uh, was what I wondered if I would miss. And, uh, you know, my 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 message to myself was you can always go back. Yeah. Um, so same for you, you know, you can always go back as and when it's time. But I also know from experience that once you've adjusted, once you've, you know, cleared the kind of, and closed that chapter of your life in your body, a different energy comes in and, and, and a whole new chapter begins. So congratulations. That's, that's an amazing achievement. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It feels exciting. And yeah. it, you know, it was so luckily that, A, we have work in this current situation. And secondly, work that we love. And, and thirdly, work where we're excited about what's coming in in the future. I mean, I, I just feel really blessed and privileged. Definitely. And I, I, I really understood what you said earlier about when I asked you about what's your purpose feeling like right now? Because I've never felt more, uh, I mean, I, I've been dedicated to my work for a long time, but I've never felt more dedicated than in this last two years. Something shifted for me in 2019 that took me even deeper into it. And then, you know, 2020 happened and I was like, oh, I get it now why that happened when it did. So yeah, no, no, it is great. And I know that writing is a huge component for you and you write approximately 7,000 word newsletters, which is no mean feat. So just to kind of step away from astrology for a moment and just talk about the art of writing and the clear connection that you have to the written word with your books and your newsletter. Were you always, did you always love writing or was it that your love of astrology unlocked the love of writing? I'm curious how that began for you. Yeah, that's a beautiful question, actually. Just to answer the second part of that, I think astrology unlocked it at a much deeper level because <clears throat> I do think when I write particularly my, my two books it did come through me uh, that's why I can't really take any credit they, it, it, the information I feel flows through me when I first left university I wanted to be uh, a journalist I wanted to go into journalism mm -hmm. but once I got to Toronto um, 
was a whole different ball game because you had to have attended journalist college over there. And so I just abandoned journalism and went into advertising. And it isn't a choice I'd make now because we have very, very different um, values now. But um, it was the communication and the psychology of advertising that fascinated me. So I was writing a little bit through my corporate career, my normal job for 35 years. But it's the astrology that really brings through really brings my writing um, to a very different place because I just feel that I'm tapping into something that's divine, that's sacred. I, I believe astrology, you know, in one of your beautiful meditations, Lee, you said that the heart is the connection to the cosmos. Mm. And I think that astrology is the language of the cosmos, this sacred mm. language that connects us to the divine. And when I write and also in client sessions too, I think it's helping me and it's helping the client to, to co connect to the divine in a clearer way. It's raising us to a higher state of being. Because if we look, say, it's a very long answer to your simple question. but It's great. <laughs> no, it we, is. If we look at the philosophy of, of, of Plato, he believed that you know, at the very high level, there was divine intelligence, divine organizing intelligence. And then that kind of dropped down a level of manifestation into the planets because the ancient Greeks, be it Plato, Pythagoras, Ptolemy, Hipparchus, Aristotle, you know, they were all the educated classes were very much into astrology. So he believed that the planetary archetypes were the next level down from divine intelligence. And those archetypes are kind of the deepest patterning in our psychic function, if you like, to make sense of ourselves and, and of the world. But when you look at a birth chart, you are looking at a little bit like his philosophy of divine intelligence is pure potentiality, infinite possibilities, mm. pure potentiality not yet made manifest. Mm. When I look at a birth chart with that particular organization of the planetary archetypes, that is still pure potential for that person. And that's why the birth chart, I've said all through my work, gives you the unique pattern, the unique sheet of music that's never repeated in history again. That's why we're all special. But it does not give you the level at which that music is played. Mm. It's our level of consciousness that determines how magnificently that birth chart is going to be played. So when I look at a birth chart, and I haven't spoken to the client, it is pure, pure potential. And my job in that session, or my job in my writing, is to raise people's understanding from the kind of mundane, to the, from the 3D level, closer to the sacred, closer to the divine. Because in doing that, we really help to raise their consciousness, to play the music better and more magnificently. That's a long answer. Have I made no, sense? No, it was a beautiful answer. You know, you 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 proved that astrology is the language of the cosmos in that answer. If you weren't already earlier, um, no, I think what I—it's it, interesting. I can't help but think when you're saying these things. I I do think you speak about music, and I think about you know all the times I have heard a different singer or a different musician play the same piece of music, and yet there are different subtleties and consciousnesses and expressions. And, and that's when they're following a track of notes. Um, I think it's a little freer than that in terms of the astrology, but, but I, I think that analogy, I totally understand. And it, and it makes sense to me too, because 
one of the things I always experienced as an intuitive reader, but I didn't, it took me many years to work this out, um, is that you're always looking at someone's timelines. So for example, if I did a reading for you today, I could talk to you about your timelines based on today and where you are now, but also telling you about those timelines can alter the course of events based on your choice. You know, if you go into contraction about me saying, oh, Pam, you're about to go out there. And, you know, if you go into contraction and go, oh, no, I don't want that, then you're going to choose to divert the timeline. But I think that's what makes this work, whether it's astrology or whatever your method of unifying with consciousness or energy is, whatever your tool is, when you do tap into it, it it helps you to have a much more conscious life, both because you're tapping into the universe, but also because you're tapping into your personal potential and your your mission here, your your way of being here on the planet. Yeah, beautiful. And 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 what is another very helpful thing I think for clients when you know when I get onto Zoom or they walk in the door, or whatever. I know, I will know the energy of the moment and why they've come because I'll see the crises in their work or with their child or in their marriage. You know, that's very clear. I won't know precisely how it's manifesting, but I can see what the issue is or the issues very clearly. And um, so in in those conversations, it's very helpful for me to demonstrate to them that they are simply reflecting the inner because otherwise I couldn't see it. So all the outer events playing out in their life, I can see perfectly clearly in the birth chart. So the outer is merely a mirror of the inner. It's a a great way to make people more conscious because if I can help them understand a higher level of manifestation of those same planets, those same archetypes, they will then not run into such difficulties in their life because they'll be playing the music at a higher level. And that will give them some immunity from some of the rough stuff at the 3D level. Does that make sense? So the the inner and the outer um, are a perfect match. Mm. And that, of course, aside from birth charts, is is just how our frequency works in terms of how our reality is manifesting depending on our our frequency that we're broadcasting. Mm. So but the, the, the birth chart actually gives you the the whole sheet of music. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of your birth chart and the whole sheet of music, your second book, remind me the title of your second book. How to Co-Create Using the Secret Language of the Universe. Yeah. How, t- tell us a little bit about that because that that's, I mean, again, another fabulous title. Um, we've now got everyone believing in astrology. Now we can tell them how to co-create using the secret <laughs> language of the universe. Very good, Pam. Um, yeah, tell us a little bit about it because it's a beautiful title and, and just the title alone tells me so much. Yeah, that's, I got very interested at the time. This is going back, gosh, three years ago now, 2017 really, um, in a particular area of the birth chart that is a huge deal in Indian in Vedic astrology. It's the dominating feature in, in Vedic astrology, which is the nodal axis. It's linked to the orbit of the moon. Yet in Western astrology, which I practice, not a lot was talked about it or taught about it. All my way through my own study, nobody really talked about it very much. So I started to dive into that. And boy, did that take me on a journey. That was just a magic carpet ride because it's created by the orbit of the moon and how it sort of cuts the ecliptic. But 
the, the, there's a, a north end and a south end, essentially. So the south end is a, a past life or past lives that you've lived and the gifts that you've developed in that time. The north node is our soul's path of growth in this lifetime. And what became very clear as I started to look at this is that the birth chart became, it was no longer circular. It was like an arrowhead that this soul's path of growth, the north node, had to be fulfilled at the soul level Mm. for you to feel fulfilled in your life. And all the other planets just formed, they just formed the cavalry. They just formed the backup team. So I almost started to see the chart morph from circular into an arrowhead. And it was that arrowhead that we have to follow to feel satisfied at the, not so much at the personality level, at the soul level. And so what I wanted to do was to, was to, how can I say, to write a book that will, would take people deep into some soul stuff and into some past life stuff, even if they were beginners in astrology. And I thought, how am I going to do that? So, because I didn't want to blind them and dazzle them with too much jargon because they just get lost in the weeds. So I had to try and find a, a workbook method of focusing on that nodal axis, but helping them to look at their own birth chart, which they can get from my website, and download just enough information to understand, really understand their their nodal axis and what their whole life this time around is is all about. And I had some incredible kind of past life experiences leaking into that, and oh, that was an extraordinary journey writing that book. It was fabulous. Have I? Have I been clear there, Lee? Absolutely. When did the book come out? It was, yeah, 2017, late 2017. I started it, I think, in the spring and just wrote like a a dervish. Um, Just I can disappear down rabbit holes. And I was just so excited about it. And because I was having so many strange past life experiences kind of leaking through into this life um, that were hugely awakening for me, I just couldn't stop. So I wrote it in about sort of three or four months from memory and got it out later in 2017. And it was actually a bestseller on day one, which astonished me because I just kept thinking, I just don't think this is good enough. And I was going to throw it in the bin a couple of months before it was published. And everybody was, no, <laughs> you know, yeah. no, don't do that. It's, um, it's helpful. And, and that's a great lesson that you share because I, you know, I think that for anyone creating anything and wanting to put it out into the world, it's highly likely at some point, whether it's for a moment or for a week, that you're going to think, oh, I don't think this is good enough. You know, that that's just part of the creative birthing something new. And, and I think when you do birth something new, you are unsure because it's a new experience so that there is always a level of uncertainty. And I think that's a really important thing to remember. Many times I think people have a view that the creator of the thing that you you love has the same relationship to it. And I've learned through speaking to so many creators over the years, personally and professionally, it's just not the case. You know, they're compelled to create something, but it doesn't necessarily mean they have as clean or as pure or as an appreciative a relationship with the thing they created that you might be able to have as a more objective contact with it. And it was actually Bracker in a session with the Peas who convinced me to publish it. There's, no, don't, you know, don't throw it away. So that was really reassuring, actually. So. That's fantastic. And do you self-publish, Pam? Yes, I did with both books. Yeah, Great. because otherwise, you know, I just felt there was such a, a long horizon if you tried to get to a publisher yeah. and that would take ages. I just wanted to 
get them out there really because mm, I've got strong Aries in my chart. You just want to make things happen. Yeah. Just now. <laughs> yeah. Now would be good. So uh, so that worked really, really well for me. I found a fabulous uh, publisher in Bristol in the UK and they, they were terrific for me. Brilliant. And I love the cover of your second book as well. It's beautiful. Thank yeah. you. Thank yeah. you so yeah. much. Yeah. Thank yeah. You. Um, so I'm curious. You are dedicated to your work. You are here on a mission. You already told us that you could do seven days a week. No problem. What happens when Pam Gregory runs out of juice and realizes she has to step away from astrology for a moment to replenish, what do you do? What, what do you go to? What, you know, what are your kind of replenish or relax, uh, relax activities? Yeah, thank you, thank you. A great question. And, and, and by the way, that is why I'm taking some time out next year, because I've got some big aspects. If I was talking to a client, I'd say take time out. Right. You know? Yeah. So, but what I do every day, I, I just adore nature and I've got to be in nature for an hour every day. That's my, that's my grounding. And um, I used to have huge Leonbergers, the size of ponies. I used to have five of them. The lounge was like Bethlehem really. Um, but now I don't have time for my own dog. So I borrow my very elderly um, neighbor's dog. The dog is young, she's old. <laughs> so mm. the dog is two years old and I take him out in the forest and I just throw a tennis ball a thousand times and go down to the streams and the rivers and up through the woods and hug trees. And I never take my mobile phone with me because why would I want a phone if I'm in nature? And I can truly feel as free as I was when I was a child because mm. I spent a lot of time just living in woodland like Caliban really when I was a child. Um, and nature is my connection. So I can listen to the birds, I can stare at the sky and look at cloud formations and go, wow. That's, you know. So I really very much get in touch with, with nature. Um, I meditate every day. I've done yoga for 45 years since I started that first week in Toronto. So those things really, really help me decompress. And they're really necessary because I'm such a workaholic, I, I would just burn out otherwise. So they're, they're pillars in my day that I will not miss. And uh, yeah, they're very grounding. So I'm curious, let's say I'm watching this conversation and I'm inspired by you and what you're doing. And I think to myself, oh yeah, I'd like to do readings or I'd like to do some YouTube videos, or I would love to do that, but I don't know how to get started. I don't know if I'm good enough. And what advice would you give someone who is feeling a response inside, but yet to know how to put the pieces in place? Yes. I mean, I would just suggest that they watch different astrologers, first of all, on YouTube, because every astrologer, a bit like every artist, is, is different and you will feel drawn to some and, and not to others. So just see how that goes. And you may find that those particular astrologers have um, teaching academies or teaching courses that they run. That'd be fine. I do have some teaching videos on my website that you can easily buy. They're all very inexpensive. Just go on to pamgregory.com. But there are some very, very good online um, astrology teaching bodies now. And more of them have come online because force of circumstances. So there's a very good one called the Astrology University run by Tony Howard, and that has a curriculum. I think the London School of Astrology also has online courses. I trained with the Faculty of Ast Astrological Studies in London. They have an online course. So any one of those would be good. But I just start easily, really, by watching astrologers on YouTube and see where that, that takes you, because that's all for free. 
Yeah. And have you, how, how, how was it for you uh, putting your first videos out and the experience of, um, of putting those videos out? And I'm, I'm asking you specifically because I think for anyone who is psychically or energetically sensitive, that's definitely a thing at first that you have to acclimatize yourself to. Um, and I've heard that from many people. I experienced that myself. How was it for you? And when did you start with the videos? I started, I think, maybe sort of four or five years ago. Uh, to be honest, the the speaking, I mean, I don't have any problem speaking, as you probably guess. It's its shutting me up. That's the, because I spent 35 years in the corporate world, the first 16 of which I was doing many, many presentations to quite tough audiences. Um, and the next 20 years, I was teaching senior management all over the world how to make more persuasive business presentations. So I literally made thousands and thousands of, of business presentations. So speaking publicly was not the challenge. I think, to be honest, the technology for me, because I do everything on my own. Um, I don't have any technical help. I do all the editing, everything on my own. And because I have no earth in my chart, um, the challenges are technical, not right. so much communication-based. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. It's, right. But somehow and, I managed to get myself out in the world so far. Right. And do you do you think you will always uh, do everything yourself? Or do you think at some point you I might hope, want to team up? Yeah, I no. hope not. <laughs> no. I, I, because, you know, I really need that multitasking pixie in the cupboard um, yeah. who can fix things. Um, that would be that would be absolutely fabulous. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I mean, I, you know, my experience now, I feel so grateful to work with a team, but you know, I remember sat there with iMovie going, why isn't this saving? Um, although I am, I have Earth cause I'm Taurus. So, um, yeah, but still it definitely allows you to, uh, to, to multiply yourself a lot faster in a way. Um, and I'm curious, Pam, you know, one of the things that we talked about earlier on you touched on some of the themes that uh, that we're in now astrologically. Perhaps as a kind of closing to our conversation, um, it'd be wonderful if you'd be willing to share some of some of what's coming up for us. I think this show will come out around April, so um, I'm curious. You know, what other themes should we be on the lookout for in 2021 and beyond? Yeah. Absolutely. I think that luckily, if this is coming out in April, it's the first two months of the year that are mm. pretty, pretty wild, pretty mm -hmm. intense, chaotic, volatile. I'm sure you can feel it in your bones, Lee. Um, sort of any moment now, um, as we're recording in January, that's going to break out. And I think that's going to be intense. It's going to be destabilizing. It's going to be very chaotic. So it's very important that people stay in their hearts, stay anchored in their hearts and stay anchored in love. Don't have external reference points like the news. Um, don't just go inside. Don't let external dramas knock you off course. So, so we've got that coming in waves all through this year. And the big, big aspect all through 2021 is Saturn square Uranus. And this is actually quite complex because... Saturn is the old, it's what we've known, it's what has been, and it's also to do with control, rules and regulations, somebody in charge, top-down authority. But it's in Aquarius, which is the sign of the future. Uranus, which is intense aspect to it, is the planet of the maverick and the galactic and the future and smashing up the old order. But it's in the sign of Taurus, which is let's keep things as they are. So there are layers here of the old and the new. 
freedom and control. So through this year, that's, those themes are going to be the battle, as it were. It's going to be a kind of bridge or a transition year from the old to the new with these themes around human rights, freedom, etc. So we're still going to have to have a strong sense of sovereignty this year and knowing our boundary line. Um, and I'm sure people will understand what I mean by that. Nevertheless, through this year, we're going to be helped by these huge waves of of gamma ray and neutrino energy, which are coming in. We had a big one, December 20, um, December 21st, 2020. Many people felt it. Another big one around the spring solstice, and that's gonna keep on rolling all the way through the coming years because we are moving through the photon belt for many, many, many years to come. So that now the second half of 2021, I think will be easier than the first partly because we're being constantly upgraded by these waves of crystalline energy, partly because we will start to get a clearer view of new Earth and mm. where we're headed and the potential for a, an amazing future for this new consciousness. Mm. And although it's still going to be a little lumpy through from now for the next three to four years, I, I think it will get, in my view, progressively easier because we're moving away from the old towards the new and being a creator is vital in that. Because I believe now, because so many of us have been upgraded by this new energy, there's a wider bandwidth of frequency for humanity. Therefore, we, have, we are much more able to create our reality in a, in a way that we haven't really fully understood in the past. We're really gonna get that principle of understanding our frequency and how we manifest. So I think it'll get progressively easier as we move into the end of 2024 and into 2025, huge changes happening then. And what's very interesting, not just the outer planet shifting from kind of Earth to air, Taurus moves Taurus to Gemini, Pluto moves Capricorn into Aquarius. So they, it's going to get faster, even faster, end of 2024 into 2025. But what is fabulous, for, I can bring in a little bit of cosmology here. I followed the work of a chap who's become a friend now, Rory Duff. And what he has discovered as a geobiologist is the day before each solstice and equinox, all of the Earth's energy lines move into harmony. Beautiful. That's why it's a great day to meditate on those four days, day before solstice and equinox. At the end of 2024, he is saying we are moving into a 200-year period of all of the Earth's energy lines being harmonized for that entire 200 years. Mm. So we're moving into an age of peace, moving into an age of harmony, again, moving into this golden age of the heart. So it's going to be really beautiful, I think. And that's what we've got to keep our eye on. Mm. It's, it's, that's where we're headed, to the new earth and the new consciousness. Mm. Absolutely. No, that's beautiful. Thank you. And, and it's interesting because, yeah, I always remember, and I've said this before, that the Z's always told me many years ago that 2020 to 2024, they actually said it starts 2017 and it's a seven-year period, but the focus is the four years of 2020 to 2024. And then it was after that that I heard a few people astrologically saying the same thing. And I'm always, that's always reassuring. You're like, oh, okay, good. Um, but yeah, I... I I feel the same. And one of the things I'm witnessing, I don't know if this is true for you or our viewers or our listeners, but I'm witnessing very old 
dark stuff playing out on the world stage. Um, and of course, you can also play it through your own yourself because we're all growing and transforming very fast now. But what I'm also witnessing about it is it often, it can't gather steam the way it could have looked, say, 50, 60, 70, 80 years ago. It's, it's very interesting. And then there's this very new energy that seems to come in straight after it. Sometimes you can see it in what actually happens among people. And sometimes you can feel it and it's a little more hidden in terms of how it shows up in form. So it's interesting that you, you say that astrologically, as we get through the end of 2021 and beyond, we should start seeing more evidence of that because I've heard that many times and they have talked to me a lot about you're going to see more creation and innovation that helps you see the new world in action, uh, which I think a lot of weary people or exhausted empaths or people who have taken a bit of a battering through world events or personal events or both. Um, I think that's needed for people to kind of keep their hope up. So you are one of our hopeful voices out there. And I say hopeful in the truest sense, not, you know, just throwing hope around, but I really appreciate your level of research detail, your level of skill and your, your grounded heart-based energy in the way that you deliver it. So I just want to say thank you for, for, for impacting the world the way you do, uh, which affects all of us, and, uh, and for being here to talk to us about the work and your journey. Well, it's been absolute joy, Lee. I really love the conversation, actually. It's, um, it's been fabulous. It's, it's got me really buzzing. So thank you so much for everything you do in the world, and, um, and, and I subscribe to that very regularly, as I mentioned. I love mm. what you do. Thank you. And I'm, I'm excited for you because I know what it's going to be like when, when you finish and re when you release doing your client work, which I know is a big thing and not an easy decision. I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be good for you and it's going to be good for the rest of us too. So, um, so yeah, Pam, if, if people want to find out more about what you do, they can go to pamgregory.com and also your YouTube channel where you're regularly posting really great free videos um, and subscribing to your newsletter or some of your teaching videos is a really good way to learn more from you. Yep, absolutely. Then you can subscribe to my newsletter, bottom of any page on my website. My teaching videos are there. And my YouTube channel is just Pam Gregory Astrology. So you'll find me there. And I, I put up at least two videos a month, often more. Perfect. And I am holding a vision for you of your perfect golden multitasker, and friend who's going to come in and is going to, yeah. One of the things I love about working with a team of people is you, you, the connection and the the family. You know, you're you're a team together. So um, I I see that for you, and I'm going to hold that vision for you. Bless you, bless you, Lee. Yeah. It's been yeah. a joy. Thank you so much. Thank you, Pam. And as ever, to everyone who's watching or listening, we will put links to all of Pam's work in the show notes. Thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you next time on Impact the World. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Impact the World. And if you want to go deeper and more in depth with my work, you should check out my members group, The Portal. You can find it at my website, leeharrisenergy.com or visit theportal.world.